0: Amen. In Acts chapter 20, <clears throat> like I said, we're going to continue our lesson. And this lesson here a, has a, basically a lot of just factual information, so we don't have a whole lot <clears throat> excuse me, to go over with it. But I've titled this lesson, and we're going to see there is a message here in this chapter. And I think it fits well for us and our church and, and what's going on at this point in time. But it just came to me a while ago, and it's called A Time for Departure. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes there's a time for everything under the sun. There's a purpose given. Uh, There's a time to arrive, basically, and then there's a time to depart. And so today's lesson is going to be uh, titled simply that, A Time for Departure. And we're going to learn that this was the time when Paul knew that things were getting ready to drastically change in his life and he was going to have to depart from the brethren and he probably wasn't going to get to see many of them ever again. So anyway, in Acts chapter 20, A Time for Departure. And let's begin in verse 1, and let's read verses 1 through 6 this morning. As we've already had our prayer this morning, we'll uh, uh, just lean on that, and we know that the Lord will help us as we look at the Scriptures. Amen? So Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. After the uproar had ceased, meaning we talked last week about, remember, at Ephesus, they'd had a big uproar going on, and and they had to get that dispelled quickly because it was a bad situation happening. So... After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. Now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And then the Jews plotted against him uh, as he was about to sail to Syria, and he decided to return through Macedonia. And so Peter, of Berea, accompanied him to Asia, also Artisterus and Secondus of the Thessalonians and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy and Titius and Trophimius of Asia. These men going ahead waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and in five days joined them at Troas where we stayed seven days. <coughs> and one of the things we learn here in this passage is that a lot of those words are hard to pronounce. of those ancient Grecian cities and different places, kind of hard to pronounce in English. And I hope we did them a little bit of justice and we'll move along from that. That's just basically saying where they had traveled and where they were going and, and kind of what was going on. So verse seven, let's read a few of these verses and we'll talk about these. So in verse seven, it says, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eustace who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, Do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, he talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive and they were not a little comforting, meaning they were greatly comforted. So one of the things, I just made a small note about this and, and a lot of people don't know this is in the Bible. It's a kind of a, a obscure story. But uh, a couple things I wanted to point out in that small passage right there is uh, on verse 7, Now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, they came together to break bread and study the word and do pretty much what we do now in church. One of the most common questions we get asked is why do Christians not get together on Saturday, the Sabbath, instead of on Sunday? Because that's what the early church did. That's what Peter instructed. That's what he started doing. And so that's what we continue to do. The first day of the week was the day the Lord rose from the dead. They determined that that was called the Lord's Day and that's why Sunday is the day churches get together been that way since the beginning and i see no need to change that now so anyway i just wanted to point that out that's another place where the bible says that the first day of the week which was Sunday, was when christians gathered and the other point i wanted to 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 make a little joke about i guess we in this day and age we could say lol is sometimes preachers get a little long-winded and that's what had happened to paul here he preached all night into midnight people got sleepy And the poor fellow fell out of the window and died, basically. And then Paul had to pray for him and his life, come back to him. So anyways, that's just kind of an LOL moment. Sometimes we do get a little long-winded and we try to keep it short. And I see quite a bit of laughing going on over here on my left. So maybe that's almost an amen. But anyway, so we try to keep it within about 30 or 40 minutes so so everybody doesn't fall asleep. So anyway, but anyway, uh, we do try to. And I see was, yeah, 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 they're not laughing at me, laughing with me. Okay, that's good. So anyways, we do sometimes, we get excited about things and we go on a little too far. But that happened even to the Apostle Paul, so we'll say that that's okay and give us a break on that, okay? All right, let's move along into verse 13 i got to flip back to my page over here. <coughs> and then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Asos, there intending to take Paul on board, for he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And, we, and when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. We sailed from there, and the next day came opposite Chios. And the following day we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trogylium. The next day we came to Miletus for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. He was trying to get back to Jerusalem uh, for the Jewish feast of Pentecost. He wanted to be there and celebrate it with the other brethren and things like that. Something we learn here uh, is that there was a lot of travel involved in the establishing of the early church. You know, at the very beginning, uh, uh, Peter and some of those guys and John and James, they just kind of stayed right around Jerusalem and 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 preached the gospel. But now, when the time Paul comes along, <clears throat> he's traveling long distances, sometimes on foot, sometimes in a boat, sometimes you know maybe catching a caravan and had mules and things like that. We don't know the, all the details, but it wasn't just as easy as jumping in a car or putting something on a social media to spread the gospel. It was a it was a big undertaking, and they really worked hard, and I think they're to be commended for that. I think that's one of the reasons in the book of Revelation, it doesn't just simply refer to them as apostles in lowercase. It calls them the holy apostles. And part of the city wall is going to have their remembrance forever in New Jerusalem. Okay. So anyways, I think it's just important to see that uh, the gospel uh, was at a great cost. It took a long time to get us to where we're at today amen so anyways we should just appreciate their labor now in uh, verse 17 we'll start to get into part of the title of our lesson here and we'll see verse 17 it says from Miletus he sent to ephesus and called for the elders of the church and when they had come to him he said to them you know from the first day that i came to asia in what manner i always lived among you serving the lord with all humility with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me but none of these things move me nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God and indeed now I know that all no that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more a couple important things to rep- to to talk about here before we get to the the point of the lesson. In verse 21, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, this is the main nutshell statement of the gospel. This is what Paul is telling them. He's telling some of them, I may not get to see some of you face to face ever again. This is one thing I want you to remember. This is now the elders, of course, of of the church of Ephesus. He's called to him to tell them this. Look what he says. I want you to remember. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have those two principles in your life that you have a a repentant heart, we talk about it all the time that, you know, none of us are perfect. We've never arrived, right? We've not gained that status of being completely perfect. We get close sometimes and we start to feel good about ourselves. and the next thing you know, then we realize we're lifted up in pride and we fall from that. So anyways, remember those two principles. Those are two good principles to live your life. Have a repentant heart. Repentance toward God. If you mess up, if you do wrong, if you, if you find yourself not doing what you're supposed to do or omitting to do something you should have done, whatever, remember you can repent. Repentance toward God is a very important thing in our Christian life. He loves us. He's not ready to throw us away just because we make a mistake. So remember that. Repentance toward God and remember this always, the second part of that, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that it's not about your effort that's going to get you to heaven. It's all hinged and based upon what Jesus did. Now, of course he wants us to do right and live right and be a good witness in those things. So when we do find ourselves missing the mark, just repent of that. And remember it's, Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. I was thinking last week, and it it puzzles me how the Lord uses people who are so flawed. He uses people who are flawed. That's amazing to me. But that's because of His grace. He's allowed to do that because of grace, right? He doesn't do it. He doesn't wait for someone to get perfect to use them. He just uses them. Amen? So remember that. Repentance toward God. That's an important thing in our lives. And faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ, that it's all about His sacrifice. Amen? Amen. And one of the other things I'd like to mention in verse 24, he said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of what? The grace of God. Now, whether you're called to be behind the pulpit or behind the microphone singing, or whatever your ministry may be. Sometimes our ministry is just to live our life in front of our friends and family. To testify, the Lord's been good to me. People ask you, well, what keeps you going? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that keeps me going. Well, I don't feel like I'm perfect. I'm not either. Be honest with people. Amen? So anyways, remember those things. That's what Paul said he wanted to remember so that he could finish his race with joy. Whatever the Lord had for him from that point forward, he knew it was going to be some rough road ahead. And this is thinking about some of the stuff he's already been through. Remember, once he was stoned and left for dead, he's been persecuted beyond belief. And the Lord's telling him now it's getting ready to happen even more. But he said, I'm going to finish my race with joy. Amen. So those are a couple of good, important things to remember. And the thing I wanted you to understand today Is This passage here teaches us the importance of being committed to the Lord and His work. Paul remained faithful through all his troubles. He knew trouble still awaits him. He knew he'd come through all these troubles. It's kind of like the song Amazing Grace, right? Through many trials, toils, and snares, I have already come. We have to be faithful unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day of our life as a Christian is not a good day. Let's just be honest about it. There are some days even as born again Christians, we have a hard time dealing with that certain days. Sometimes death or loss or trouble comes our way from nowhere and we're not prepared, we're not ready for it and we falter sometimes and we get upset and we we ask God, why does this happen? I don't understand. We do all those things, but the key is to remain faithful unto Jesus Christ. I can honestly say in my life, he's never led me wrong. He's never let me down and he's never failed me. But every trouble I've went through, he's always been right there when I say, Lord, please help me. I can't make it on my own. He's always been faithful. And that's all he asked for us is just be faithful unto him. And so we learn in this passage that Paul, even through all this, he was faithful. And so we need to be faithful. And in verse 25, this is kind of getting more now toward the point of our lesson. Verse 25, it says, And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have preached, uh, gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. They would have to wonder, and we'll find out here in a moment, this really troubled them. And you would have to wonder, this would have been a hard thing for them to accept because you know, they would preach and, and do the things at the church of Ephesus, but they'd always look to Paul for guidance. They'd always look for, maybe He'll write us and send us a letter. Maybe He'll come by the next time He's this direction. Now He's telling them, probably you're not going to ever see my face again. And I simply made a note about this. Sometimes the will of God is hard to accept and understand. I don't understand why the Lord does things certain ways in the way He does it. I don't understand why people lose their spouses or their children. I don't understand those things sometimes. But we know if they belong to God, if they're born again and washed in Jesus' blood, that they belong to the Lord. And I have to loose up my ownership of that person a little bit and realize they belong to the Lord and He'll do with them what He pleases. And when their days on earth are done, there's not much I can do about that. But be thankful for the time I had with them. That's why we enjoy every day with our loved ones, right? Even if we do enjoy it, we still miss them when they're gone. I know some of you here have lost loved ones in this past year. Several of you here. And it's hard to accept, but be faithful unto the Lord. He's been faithful to us. Amen. So just remember, the will of the Lord sometimes is hard to understand. It is hard to accept. Why he was getting ready to take Paul away from this people who needed him so much, we don't fully understand. We find out a little later that there was a whole, whole bunch of people in Rome that turned to the Lord because Paul was there. So that could be part of God's will. So remember, God's will is sometimes hard to understand because it's not our will. Sometimes we have to submit to His, right? And if He chooses to do this, that, or the other, we have to be okay with that, even if it's hard to accept. Verse 26 says this, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. There are a whole lot of preachers I hear and have heard. They somehow think that the flock belongs to them. And they do a lot of things that I don't think the Lord's too happy with being done to his flock. Paul is telling these leaders and the elders of this Ephesian church, <clears throat> be very careful because there's some tough days coming to the church. But he made sure to remind them of this. Take Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his, own, with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things or misleading things <clears throat> to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember The words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. He was telling this to ministers. Those called to minister his word is what he who he told these words to. So Paul foretells difficult times for the church, but exhorts the leaders to remain faithful. That's something in the Lord has really laid on my heart over the last several months, maybe even a year now. I heard all kinds of prophecies. People would say, well, the Lord told me this for you and that. And I heard it all. and wasn't matching what the Lord had been laying on my heart. And the Lord has finally gotten through to me and I have learned this lesson. We have to be faithful to what He's called us to do. And the instructions the Lord has given me is to be faithful. We have church on Sunday morning. As of now, that's about all we have, right? And that's plenty enough. But be faithful. Some days there may be two or three. Some days we may have to go find more chairs. But the key is to be faithful unto the flock. Amen. And that's what we're going to do here. That's what we're going to do here. So it tells them, be faithful, but exhorts the leaders to remain faithful. This is still the order for the Lord and for the church leaders to be faithful to their people and faithful unto the Word of God. I got to thinking about it, and this was the analogy the Lord showed me. Never thought of it this way. In the old days, they had a temple in Jerusalem. And there, that was where the priest ministered. Every priest had a certain job. You had a high priest, and you had those that trickled down under him, and then lesser priests. But they all had a function. But when someone come to that temple, no matter what time of the year, if they came to that temple and they wanted to make a sacrifice for their sin or have prayer for themselves or somebody was sick and they wanted them to pray over them or whatever, there was always somebody there. And they got in trouble when they quit doing those kinds of things and quit being faithful and quit being available. So that's the whole purpose of the New Testament church I see as we went through here. Just like with the temple, some days there might be a lot of people come. Some days there may just be two or three. The key is us to be faithful. Amen? Especially for me. This speaks to me. Be faithful. Have the door open at 11 o'clock every Sunday. For those that like to come in here, great. Invite others, whatever the case may be. This was the command that Paul left them, and he was not going to get to see their face again And He said, I want you to be faithful to this flock which God has made you an overseer. Verse 28, a couple important points. We talked about that in the last sentence of that verse. He purchased it with His own blood. Belongs to the Lord. Amen. We've just simply been given to be an overseer. Verse 32, another good point. Brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who sanctify. The title of our lesson is A Time for Departure. When someone departs from us that we depended on and we love so much, it's so hard because we don't know what we're going to do. We leaned on that person for something and they leaned on Paul, but Paul was telling listen, it really never was about me. Look what he made it about. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. When we lose someone close to us, there's nothing more difficult. But if we'll commend ourselves to the Lord and to the body of the church that we're part of, we'll find healing. It'll never be the same. When you lose someone close to you, it will never be the same. There is a hole in your heart forever. There's empty seats in this place today. today. Two that I know of that still tugs at me that I would love to see their face once again. But we have to move on. We have to go and we have to commend ourselves to the Lord. And He will help us. Amen? And we'll help each other. Praise God. And in verse 35, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must, what? Support the weak. A whole lot of the preaching and teaching that I've heard through my life was not about supporting the weak. It was about making the weak feel bad because they weren't up on your level. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says to reach down your hand and help those that are weak among us. Amen. Amen. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And then in verse 36 through the rest of the chapter. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. We know this was God's will. Paul, the apostle, was getting ready to be taken away from these elders of the church at Ephesus. And no doubt all the rest of them too. Now a lot of his writings later on we find out were written from Rome while he was in prison. And he sent to them. He wanted to make sure that they were okay and checking on them and telling them I'm still praying for you. Whatever. But there was getting ready to be a change in their life. And they were upset about it. And so we understand through this that God's will is sometimes hard to accept. I don't know why. We lose loved ones before we're ready. I guess we're never really ready, but it's just, it's a hard thing. And I know some of you here today, I was thinking about it. I think we've had about four or five people here that's had someone very close to them pass away this year, within the last 12 months. And it's hard. It's hard to accept. When the time for departure comes, it is hard to accept. We have to remember this, that a Christian belongs to God. If we've lost a loved one that belonged to Jesus Christ, we have to realize they belong to Him way more than they belong to us. And that's hard to accept, but sometimes it's just the way it is. So we must remember that they belong to God and He will perform His will including their time of departure. Departure can sometimes mean death. Here it just meant that Paul was going to be taken away from them and so a few years later, he eventually did die in Rome, okay, as a prisoner. But the Lord used him through those two or three more years and, and used him greatly, okay? So it can mean death. In our story, it wasn't about immediate death, but it would be eventually. But it was about the separation. It was about the departure. Some of you have felt the full weight of death recently. I know. May God continue to comfort you. It takes His comfort. Like I said, there's no way to get over it completely. May God comfort you and may the brethren, we here, be a shoulder that you can lean on. Amen. One of the greatest victories that the devil will win over people who's hurting is for them to to convince them they are or an imposition to other people. I tell you this in all honesty. If you're hurting with something, whatever, call us up. Send us a message. However you want to get in touch with us, when we get it, we'll be here to help you. I don't like to see anybody hurt. Sometimes we can't take the hurt away, but we can be there for each other. Sometimes we don't have to say a word, do we? We can just say, I love you. Give you that shoulder. Amen. So may the brethren continue to comfort you. Be a shoulder to lean on and an ear to listen. And a help in anything you face. Paul's time for departure had come. Some of you have loved ones whose time has came. Life will be difficult. There will be challenges you don't know what to do. But I tell you what, you bring it to the Lord and you ask your brethren for help, there'll be somebody that'll know somebody that can figure you out how to help you make it through. Amen. I know some of you have got a lot on your plate right now. Things you don't even know what to do, where to turn next. Don't fret. Between the Lord and your brethren, He'll make it okay. And we'll work together. So we see in our lesson today there is a time of departure. And I know that a couple of, of, of those of our members here that have departed, just the way things worked out with all this COVID and all this stuff, they weren't able to have uh, memorial services and stuff. But I wanted to just share that with you. Those of you that's hurting, it'll be okay. Because you belong to the Lord too. And he'll be your comfort. Amen. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, this message you've given us today is very unorthodox very different from what we normally do. But Lord, I pray for each and every person here that has a hole in their heart today. Lord, represented here today are several people who have lost very close loved ones, some very recently, some has been a little longer, but it still hurts. So Father, I pray today, and as you gave instructions here through the Apostle Paul, we commend these hurting ones to you, Lord. We commend them to you, and the word of your grace, which is able to build them up. Lord, we know that sometimes when things are people are being hurt that it just out of the blue comes upon them. But Lord, we pray for each and every instant that you'll let them know that they are loved, and that you that, that you care for them and that we care for them as well. Father, I pray that you give them all comfort, as it was said once here a few weeks ago, the God of all comfort will comfort us in all of our distresses. Lord, we give you thanks. And I pray for each and every one. You keep them safe. We pray, Lord, that we'll all be a, a shoulder to lean on and a, someone just to give a hug or just a smile maybe. Maybe all a person needs to help make it through that day. So, Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name, comfort those that hurt among us. And help us, Lord, to be sympathetic to their needs and be ready and willing to do whatever it needs to help them. We thank you for these things today, Lord, in Jesus' name. We pray you keep each and every one safe to the next appointed time we meet. Amen. Amen.